everybody. Welcome to What Are You Doing in Denmark, the podcast where we talk to some of the coolest people in Denmark about what they're doing here. My name is Derek, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mike. And we today are joined by an incredible person. We're talking about a Rainbow Award winner. We're talking about a drag queen, an actress, a historian, and an awesome human being to boot. Today, we are joined by the immaculate Chantal Al-Arab. Welcome to Waited. Oh, stop it. You're making me blush. <laughs> That's too much. And, and yet again, keep on going. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have more. We yeah. have more. Yeah. I, I oh. literally have bullet points full of things. We can, we can oh, go through as much God. as you want. We can, make the weighted, we can make the podcast all about you. It's kind of the Just point. make it my resume. Uh, yeah. I love it. Perfect. Well, uh, you know, your, your resume does keep you quite busy. Mm-hmm. But how do you do it all? And have you gotten a chance to recover since Pride season? And I, I drink a lot. <laughs> I, I think that's my, my secret. Uh, but apart from that, um, yes, I did recover. I, um, I had a few weekends after Pride where I tried to do as little as possible and try to sort of cut a bit back on my social life just mm. because I'd spend a lot of time with people. Yes. Um, but I, I will say Pride this year was busy. It was major world pride two years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. feel like there were more people this year. It was, it was crazy. crazy. Yeah. I, I actually think it's the biggest Copenhagen pride ever. Wow. Yeah. It, wow. it certainly felt like the biggest in the seven years that we've been in, in Copenhagen. It certainly felt like the biggest, uh, the most active one. What's your favorite, as a performer, what's mm-hmm. your favorite part of pride? Well, I, I can say that as a human and as a performer, for me, it's not just about the party. It's also very much about all the activism. So I care deeply about the human rights program that Mm. is a part of Copenhagen Pride every year. Uh, But for me personally, I think my highlight is always when I do my anal tours. And when when I get to sort of sail around the city with usually have about 130, 135 people on the boat and, and just that sense of community as the music is playing and everyone is singing along, I think that is my favorite Pride experience. It, it's, it's wonderful and we uh, were so happy to join you on one of those tours this year. It combines some of your passions of, of history and uh, Danish history, queer history, and of course, celebrating pride. Wearing just, dresses it, and clipping wearing earrings. Dresses. Oh, yes. <laughs> and we, yeah, we were, had a great time. with. It was a blast. Yeah. yeah. And you get to share it with amazing performers. We got to see some some up-and-coming performers on yeah. the boat as well. Yeah, we it was IB 101 this yes. year. Yeah. And can we just talk about how amazing they were? <sighs> that was incredible. Yeah. Like, I was like, still, that line, fuck him so good that he buys you a MacBook. I think, <laughs> I, think I want to put that on my tombstone, <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Talk for alt. Yeah. <laughs> right. Talk for MacBook. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's it. Oh. Yeah, and we got to go with some of our BFFs, which was really wonderful. Yes. And um, we thought that we would start the program by seeing if one of us can match as your BFF. Ooh. Yes. yes. So, so yeah, it's a special event. So you get to have one of us as your BFF for at least the the episodes here, and perhaps amazing. all time. Perhaps it's all time. To have yeah, that. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I just have to ask who brought the champagne because already here you're ahead instead <laughs> of the score. I will say, yeah, that was a that a, was you. Yeah, well, yeah. bonus points. Bonus to you. points. I went to that. the store. That's true. It was okay, me. It was my idea. It was your idea. You executed. You get a point each. Then yes. Well, that's kind of the normal team effort that we have. You know, generate the idea. It works. Yeah. But to start with, so the first BFF question is, obviously, you have an impressive resume, a lot of fantastic jobs over the year. So your BFF should also have an impressive resume. Mm -hmm. Would you prefer that your BFF had a first job 
that was a swimming pool lifeguard or a little league baseball umpire? Oh my God. And of course these apply to one of us. Yes. So the choice is between getting warts and being around children. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? I would say the lifeguard because at least you can treat the warts, but children mm. you're stuck with. Um, oh. I, I'm just, children freak me out. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just can't. Yeah, <laughs> they, they're tough. And uh, sometimes they do go to the pool. Which I would know because that was my answer. I was the lifeguard. That yes. was your job. Yes, yes, that was my first job. Yes. Are you a swimmer? Yes. I was, and I still do swim. Uh, but yeah, I was a uh, district medalist in the 100 meter butterfly. Stop <laughs> it. Ooh, yes. in, the, um, in the late 1900s. <laughs> <laughs> Back yes. in the day. Back, Back in, in the, the day. day. <laughs> you swam all the way from the Titanic <laughs> to shore. I did. I did. I kicked Rose off that boat or off of that door. And just went and I just Yes, I was just yeah. kicking Paddled away. Your way. <laughs> Paddled my way. I stole her whistle. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. And then, and then I used it. it to lifeguard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will say as a Little League umpire, the children weren't the problem. It was the parents. Oh, parents oh, are the parents. worst. Yes. Parents are worse than children. I mean, people who make that life choice. <laughs> I'm, there's I don't already judge. something there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. did you get yelled at a lot, Mike, as an umpire? Uh, a, li- a little bit. I mean, I certainly were a few moments that adults were yelling at 14-year-old me <laughs> right. because my strike zone was not to their liking. But like, I was playing in this game two years ago. Right. So I'm yeah, yelling at a 14-year-old. That's the caliber of adult we're Correct. That's what we're about. talking about here. Yeah. yeah. It's also much easier lectures. to just have a, a whistle and sit on a lifeguard stand and get Correct. tan. All Stop summer. running. Yeah. It's a, just literally all you did the entire yes. time. And it paid off because I have I have one BFF have point, BF so point So the first of us to get two will be Chantel's BFF. But Ooh. let's um, go for the second one. So if your BFF was given the power to uninvent one thing from history mm-hmm. uh, and they chose the atom bomb or Facebook... Who would you lean towards as a BFF? A weapon of mass destruction <laughs> or... The atom bomb. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a tough one. Mm. I mean, I haven't seen Oppenheimer yet, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I'm actually skilled to have any opinion about the A-bomb. Mm. So I'll say Facebook. Wow, that's wow, two, for two, two points for you. That was me. <laughs> really? Yes, oh I would just God. get rid of it. Yeah. I think it's done more harm than good. Oh, yeah. Just ask President Hillary Rodham Clinton. Right. <laughs> well, we might as well round out with that. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's see, let's see if I can get a, get a pity point yeah. here. Uh, yeah. So, obviously, you also entertain guests for all kinds of functions, but if your BFF was planning a dinner party for entertainment, mm-hmm. would you prefer that there was a live band or a psychic medium? A psychic medium. <laughs> Wow, that's a that's a Derek full monty for, for me. Yeah. That's three? you again? Yes, yes. Oh Derek, God, maybe Derek loves the supernatural. I, anything anything uh, that's um, aliens or psychic mediums or ghost hunters, I'm such very a nerd. I, I, I am, and I love it. And of course, I mean. Do you follow the Long Island media? I, I'm ashamed to say yes, I do. Yes, it's just too. the perfect kind of trash TV. And it's so good. There's also the young gay one. What's his face? Oh, Tyler Ferguson. He's good. <laughs> yes, he's very he's good. He's really good. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Mike is a very oh, no, pragmatic um, approach, a scientific approach to a lot of things, which is which is very good when you need somebody to pick up champagne. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you said live band. Maybe if you had said a live mixologist. Ooh, Ooh that would be a lot more fun, yeah. too. I agree. That would have been points for me. It's like you all, I mean, the way to my heart goes through a well-mixed martini. Right. Bone dry. Just, <laughs> just bone dry, extra dirty. That's mm-hmm. what I love. Yeah. 
just shake the bottle of vermouth near it. Right. <laughs> no need to put vermouth into it. <laughs> we'll see. We are at least making connections all around. And we'll it's do important. another round of yeah. the VFF. You like spirituality, later. alcoholism. I like that. Yes. They kind of go together. All the spirits. <laughs> they kind of go together. <laughs> all, the, all the spirits. I like yeah. that. I like that. Yeah. We will uh, start the show as BFFs and see if we can retain that mm-hmm. later with another game. But for now, let's uh, talk a little bit about. I know you were born and raised in Copenhagen, was, is that right? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm a true Copenhagen. Yes. yes. Yeah. We're quite rare, but we, we do exist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, most people that, you know, move here mm-hmm. later. But for yeah. you, that was uh, what you're doing in Denmark is, that was, that, that was I mean, I didn't, that was I, didn't, the plan. I didn't have yeah. a choice. The universe <laughs> decided to pluck me down here. And we've already started talking about all of the accomplishments you've had mm-hmm. since then. Um, of course, you know, in, in drag, out of drag, but Chantal also grew up in Copenhagen as um, well? Yes. Or came to be? C- came know? to be. Um, yeah. Chantal was, um, the character Chantal was yeah. born um, 10 years ago at a party. Uh, my my now sister, Athena Lady, was throwing a party where we were drinking, you know, cheap Italian spumante. <laughs> and at some point when you are in a shared apartment, shared by eight gays, there will be a pair of heels, there will be a tired old wig, there will be a (laughs) bit of makeup, and maybe a cocktail dress. And at some point, I ended up in a beautiful ensemble, which made me look like a, let's just say a very tired Chloe Sevigny. And then Athena looks at me and she says, oh my, you look like the heiress to the Burj Al Arab. And I just went, are we? (laughs) <laughs> and she was like, but why do you speak French? And I was like, oh, I studied in Paris for three weeks. <laughs> and that is how Chantal was born. Oh, because she was it. like, but wow. what's your name? You're clearly clearly an, an Arab, but what's your name? And I was like, Chantal. And I think I chose Chantal because it sounded expensive in a very cheap way. Ooh. I love that. Yeah. yeah, I love that. So so, so really, so Chantal was your first shot. Like it was, it was just kind of open in that moment. It just... It was a very smooth birth. She came out in one piece. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't need stitches afterwards. Oh, look no, at that. I've I've always had a wide set birth canal. So. <laughs> Did you think that you would dabble in drag before you found that that pair of heels? <laughs> like, were you watching Drag Race? No. Were you into it at all, or did no, it kind of just burn? Because itself? ten years ago, Drag Race hadn't really made it to Denmark. Oh, sure, mm-hmm. yeah. sure. It it, it, it was, was really on the radar. The, Copenhagen didn't have a drag scene ten years ago, um, so it was never in the plans. It it really was. After this night, um, Athena Lady, again, I have to give her the credit, yeah. she was like, we should make a company together. Um, and then we were 10 sort of queers who went together and formed a company that we called Vesta Bro Drag Rental Service. <laughs> and our idea was that you could book drag queens for whatever event that you wanted. It could sure. be if you were throwing a party, if you had an opening, if if you, I don't know, it could be a bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever you need a drag queen for and none of us were that good at doing drag <laughs> so our sort of shtick became being bad drag queens mm-hmm. and i remember at this point we were hired for um um i can't mention the company it's a big tobacco company okay. and you're not really allowed to act advertise um tobacco in in the european union but you can throw events where you have tobacco and we were hired to be the secret girls oh and my basically god. i was like oh my god how do i do this <laughs> and i literally just walked around throwing packs of cigarettes <laughs> at people being like you'll get asthma you'll get cancer <laughs> 
And you know what? The organizers, they loved it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you know what? Instead of sort of aiming at being this demure, sort of fishy queen, maybe I'll just sort of do whatever sort of sort of seems natural to me. And then little by little, we started doing radio. We got a TV show for a little while. We started doing different things and Athena and Yomboyeta and Nicholas and I, we sort of formed our own little four-person drag troupe. And then we started hosting bingos. And, you know, one thing took the next, and here I am. Do you remember your first, like, paid gig, the first moment when you actually performed? Oh, I don't remember the first one. I remember the first bingo we had. Okay. Um, It was actually, I think, the week Absalon opened. I don't think we knew how big the demand for drag bingo would be because we, we didn't sell tickets. We just expected that people would show up and maybe we would have 50, 60 people show up. Mm-hmm. But there was a line from Absalon and Vestabro all the way down to the meatpacking district. Wow. Oh, my God. And there's only room for 200 people in Absalon. And we could have sold maybe five, six, seven times as many tickets. And then after that, we realized, wow, there's, there's an opening in the market here. How did it feel to see such a response when, I mean, I'm assuming your expectations, like you said, were, okay, 50, 60 Mm -hmm. people, to see that you had 3x or more of what you thought you were going to do. I mean, that must have felt incredible. I mean, it it may sound a bit superficial, but Mm -hmm. there's something about the recognition of others that Mm -hmm. is so therapeutic to me. I think that a lot of queer people will have the lived experience of growing up feeling like they're wrong Mm -hmm. and that the way they sort of, that their instincts are telling them to be is wrong. And all of a sudden taking all that queerness and almost distilling it and overdoing it and then sort of just being received with open arms has been such an amazing experience and it has in a way taught me to to love myself i mean in in a way when when rupaul says if you can't love yourself how the hell is anyone else going to do it i actually disagree with that i for me it was in a way seeing myself through the eyes of others and then realizing that i'm worthy of love um my love i i don't know if it came from within as much as it came through the validation of of others, um, and that may be shallow and superficial and and whatnot, but there's just been something extremely empowering for me in seeing myself through the eyes of others and and realizing that I mean, apart from being Chantal, I also have an everyday life as as Anders, right. and and seeing that those aspects of Anders that I overdo, I mean, Chantal mm. isn't a totally different person. It's just of course an exaggerated version of aspects of myself. When I do those, people actually still like me and they they like me a lot. Mm. Um, That has been extremely therapeutic. Yeah, so it it probably does magnify uh, maybe some of those things that you feel in drag, out of drag, Mm -hmm. and uh, and maybe realizing that those things you have in drag also exist without the wig and the makeup. They exist and they are celebrated. Yeah, they're celebrated and there's no need to sort of try. I I don't have to suppress them. Even out of drag, I think I've become way more camp out Mm. of drag um, after I started doing drag and I really like me now. So so in that way, I'm I'm very happy that Chantal, that I came into, into my life and allowed myself to discover that. 
How wonderful. It's very emancipating to totally have yeah. something kind of unlocked. Yeah. And in an organic way that <clears throat> wasn't a plan, wasn't mm -hmm. a, 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 a path. You know, <laughs> in our careers often, you know, we have, mm -hmm. oh, I'd like to be at this level or this goal. This is my projection. But you just put on a dress one night and yeah. unlocked something exactly. in all aspects of your but life. But you know what? If you look at my life 20 years ago yeah. and then look at it now, of all the things I do, none of the things were a part of the plan. <laughs> I mean, yeah. all the plans I made about my life, I'm not doing any of those, but who cares? Yeah. Right. You know, plans are good. Yes. But I got something that was so much better. I think that's the lesson. That's a bit of the lesson, I think, that, that we've kind of learned, especially moving to Denmark and kind of yeah. having the same sort of scenario in a, in a different way. But yeah. I think you can become very much a prison of your own plans mm -hmm. and then when you let yourself be you know a little bit of a planner but let yourself be kind of free to the moment it does unlock a totally different world that's out there and the thing is i i, I am actually quite a planner i sure. love structure mm -hmm. but i require structure so that i can be free i need mm. the structure to bounce off so sure. so i do make plans i still plan for the future but i also realize that not meeting those plans isn't failure. Sure. That's just, that's something else opened up. So the plans are sort of a roadmap, and who cares if I take the scenic route once in a while? I think it's a great piece of life advice that you just said right Amen. there too, the, that it's not failure not to follow through of with the plans not. like that. Of course it's, not. It's a different journey. It's a it different is. experience. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I think it's neat. I was thinking the same thing, Mike. Like, our, like moving to Denmark for us was <laughs> not something planned. It was something that was decided... Uh, you being a little intoxicated with a former uh, boss that you then said, you know what, just stay and come back here when you were on a business trip to Copenhagen. Right. And you <laughs> didn't sleep the whole night, called me at six o'clock in the morning, Denmark time, and said, they want to know if we'll move over here. It's midnight, of course, back in, in the U.S. And I was like, well, let's talk about it when you get back yeah. in this country. But there wasn't much to talk about. No. And we were being open to something that isn't in the cars or isn't the plan is sometimes gives you the best opportunities. And you know what? What may seem like a mistake at first mm. can be the most beautiful ah, yeah. thing that ever happens to you. Fully agree. I, I usually say that the best things in life were mistakes. I mean, Champagne, like my little brother. Your little, exactly. <laughs> and, and if we ask your parents, he's most likely one of the most beautiful things that happened. Absolutely. You know, Champagne. Champagne was invented by accident. I wouldn't be without champagne. Right. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about your little brother. I've never <laughs> met him. Um, but I'm sure that... He's a, he's a good guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so in that sense, mistakes can be very productive. We shouldn't be mm. afraid of mistakes. I remember once I, I visited a PR agency in London, um, because I travel um, <laughs> and do corporate things, um, and their sort of ideation method was whenever they got a new big project, they would get together and in their team, they would discuss five ways they could get fired from the project. <laughs> and that was how they started their ideation oh, process by saying, what are the mistakes? And then being like, can we go by that? Let's do it. Wow. And, and for me, that was such an inspiration. And, and to a certain extent, that's also how I work today. Whenever I get a new task, I'm like, how can I fuck it up? Wow. That's a brilliant approach to take it because you're basically taking failure off the table yeah. at the mm. start. Right. Exactly. You acknowledge that even though there's maybe a route you don't want to go, you can still mm. learn from it. You, you you take on a way more dynamic approach to your process, whatever that may be. For me, it's performing mm -hmm. and, and creating sort of different concepts. And I'm always like, 
how can I fuck it up? How yeah. can how can I do it in a different way? How can I do drag in a way that wasn't expected? Hmm. Throwing cigarettes at yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think also, you know, acknowledging that on the front end, then when it does come up, it probably doesn't feel like a real fuck up. <laughs> of course <laughs> Because not. you've already considered it and you've yeah. already, you know, you, you can stay calm, cool, and collected yeah. and say, oh, well, I knew this might happen. Yeah, exactly. So let's make the most of it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Wow. Now, you, you mentioned some of the uh, uh, projects that you come up with and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, as far as your creative process, how do you sort of decide what to pour yourself into? Because you, you've got quite a varied <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> interest and talents and accomplishments. Um, I think I suffer from, you may know this diagnosis, <laughs> I call it gay DD. Yes. Um, <laughs> this feeling that everything feels interesting everywhere all the time. Yes. yes. And yes. fun. So I usually say, oh, I've never done that. That sounds like fun. Let's do it. And then sometimes I'm really overwhelmed. But most of the time, I, I sort of, there are good people around me who are like, you know what, you, you need to breathe now. But overall, I won't say I say yes to everything. But if it sounds like fun, mm. I'll be there. I love having fun and I love being around creative people and especially mm. creative people who are interested in taking their talent and then creating change. Whenever people say, oh, we want to change something, it's almost like I don't care what it is. It's just this idea that you realize that when you have talent, you also have the privilege of mm. affecting the world around you. And that to me is just... I mean, you know, it's like cocaine. I'm like, <laughs> I want to go over there and sort of just sniff up all that talent and sort of be intoxicated by other people's talent. I love that. I always think, um, and it's, this is not uh, my mantra, I can't take credit for it, but the idea that if you're in a room and you're the smartest, most creative. Oh, you shouldn't most, be there. Th then leave and find a different room yeah. and uh, yeah. start over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to be challenged. Yeah. It's, it's not, you get complacent, you get lazy. It's like, I want to be around people who challenge me. Yeah. I want to feel like I'm a bit out of my comfort zone all the time. What's maybe the most surprising creative moment you've had in this? Kind of the the, mm. the moment when maybe you've done something, as you said, no, nothing that you're doing today was in your plan. Mm -hmm. But is there something that you look at and you say, holy crap, I can't imagine I would have ever done that. And now you look back and say, that's the most amazing thing ever. Probably writing a book with Lars, uh, the chair yes. of Copenhagen yeah. Pride. Um, that was not my idea. That was... 100% Lars's idea to write it. Mm -hmm. um, and I still remember the day I got the phone call. It was during lockdown. It was during COVID. Oh, right. And my phone goes off and it's, it's a number that I don't recognize. And I'm like, okay, I better pick up. And then it's the super sort of energetic um, person who's like, hey, it's Lars from Copenhagen Pride. You don't really know me, but I know you and I think we should write a book together. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, we should. <laughs> and then I was like, but what should it be about? Right. Because I kind of say, sure, before I even know what the book is about. Right. And then he was like, we should write a book about gay history. And I was like, this is the best idea ever. Um, and I invited him into my office. And I remember that I had covered, um, I, I have a meeting room with a huge table and I'd covered it completely in paper. And then we just started taking notes and we filled the entire table with timelines and ideas for titles for different chapters. And by the end of the day, we had kind of a skeleton 
for the book. It was such a dynamic, creative process we had. And it was never my plan to write a book. It was never a part of my sort of drag career. And it has been so rewarding. And it, it has been that, first of all, getting to know my own queer history, mm. but also being able to share it and to help my community understand that we came from somewhere. Yeah, I mean, that the rights we have today didn't come out of the blue. They didn't come out of nothing. They're here because some very brave people in the past took a chance and they they did something that has been such a rewarding process and and also something that i never it it just wasn't a part of the plan Hmm. but i'm so glad i did it so are we because that's such an important thing to keep front of mind and to know that as queer people you're a part of a legacy you're part of work that has been done by others and it can be pulled out from under you at any moment at any point mm-hmm. we're standing on the shoulders of yeah. giants i usually say when you write history you get roots but you also get wings mm. you have to realize that in order to be a community you, you need a shared something mm. and the idea that you have a shared history shared stories gives you a sense of community and when you have a sense of community you can actually you can fly you yeah. you can do new things you can imagine a better world not just for yourself but for your community it showed me that drag can do so much more mm. than just standing on a stage mm. it's i mean mm. when you're in drag you command a gaze you get people's attention and when you have someone's attention you better spend it wisely i mean life is so short you want to make sure that the things you say of course you I want to entertain, but I also want to make sure that I give people some food for thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an art form, and with art, you know, there's power in mm-hmm. reaching people through totally through that. Totally. And you do obviously get on stage as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you know, besides the books and the the tours mm-hmm. and all of those wonderful accomplishments, drag entertainer of the year at the Rainbow Awards yeah, um, a and hosting years them. Back. Yeah, a couple yeah. years back. Yeah, yeah. of course. Um, but uh, you know, of course, you do get on stage mm-hmm. and. There's probably also some uh, experiences you've had there that maybe have been memorable or... Oh, so could. many. So many. It's more sort of... Some of the things I remember is more, of course, all the great experiences when you do big things. I mean, this year when when I was hosting sort of the big show at Copenhagen Pride, having 15,000 people in, in the audience is, of course, quite an experience. This idea that... There are 15,000 people listening to you right now. That was amazing. But also just smaller things. Uh, two weeks ago, I I was at a wedding in, in Sweden. Um, I was emceeing. Having the privilege of sharing such an intimate event as mm. as a wedding is just amazing and so memorable. So for me, it, it doesn't have to be having a 15,000 people audience. It can also be... Being in a room with, I think we were 80 people at this wedding, um, and just getting to hear these speeches. And there was one of the speeches that made me bold, sort of the 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 best friend of one of the grooms was talking about how she had known him since he was a child and how for so many years she had seen him running away from who he was. And when he then met his husband, all of a sudden he didn't have a choice of, of running away from who he was because the person that wanted him wanted him and not mm-hmm. someone else. So he basically had to fully embrace who he was. And I was just like, that was such 
an intimate, beautiful moment. And I felt so privileged to be there in that moment and to share that with them and, and hear those words. And, and they sort of, they, they also meant something to me. Yeah. So, so sort of being out performing for me is most of the time, it's also the type of connection I feel with my audience, be it big or small. So obviously that's an incredibly intimate moment that you get to mm -hmm, share. Yeah. What does it feel like when you're in more public performing spaces? I think when people go to a drag show, they kind of have a little bit of a sense of, I guess, maybe behavior or being mm -hmm. a little bit ridiculous mm -hmm. because the concept is a little bit ridiculous. It is, it is. And like, is, are there things kind of good and bad that you've seen in your, in your career as you're on stage? Mm -hmm. If I'm at a bar, a lot of etiquette, and, and this isn't just drag etiquette, like I would say, Drag etiquette 101. It's like no open fire near drag queen. <laughs> We're made out of nylon. Right. Um, don't touch my face because it took me hours. I, I know it's hard to believe, but I am actually wearing a bit of makeup right now. Uh, when you kiss a drag queen, never actually touch the face, just air kiss. But apart from that, it's like a lot of people, they'll ask very sort of direct questions. and Or, you know, people who will comment on, I have quite hairy arms. And they're like, you would be so much prettier if you shaved your arms. Oh. Where I'm like, who are you? What? And it's like, <laughs> and then I have to explain to them that the hairy arms are a part of my character. They're a part of the balancing. Right. I actually think that I have beautiful lady hairs on my arms. <laughs> and they're a part of who Chantal is because they're a part of sort of balancing and maybe also sort of breaking a bit of that illusion um, or delusion. <laughs> maybe maybe the kind of drag I do is more sort of a self-inflicted delusion than a self-inflicted illusion. But also just, you know, people will come up and just touch my, my boobs. Oh my God. Um, I was in Aarhus um, a couple of months ago and this guy came, came up to me. I was sitting with my sisters. We'd been out performing and we were just having, you know, a little, I was having a double burp and just, you know, a light little sort of pick me up yeah. after a show. Nightcap. Yeah. And then he comes up and he's like, um, I'm sorry, can I ask you a question? And I was like, oh, God, this is going to be good. Right. And then he's just like, can I feel your tits? <laughs> and I was like, okay. I knew it would be good, but wow. I didn't know it would be this good. But I was just like, what kind of question? I would never That's go weird. up to a complete stranger and just have the audacity to... Ask to ask to that question. Feel them up but, or critique their body yeah, hair yeah. or grooming. Yeah. And one thing is, is you know, men who will do it, but I also have women. You know, a lot of women are just oh. as bad when I'm out. They'll sort of feel my hips to figure out how, how do I get this figure. And yes, I do wear padding. But, you know, having complete strangers touch you is yeah. quite invasive. Oh, yeah. I don't know what it is about like a, a drag queen or somebody who's yeah. a performer that suddenly turns you into like a please touch museum yeah. that people mm -hmm. can just like poke and prod and what is that like? Or that you're available for everybody's opinion. Yeah. And yeah. I always find, of course it's not exactly the same, but you know, putting ourselves out there, making content mm -hmm. and things like that. The people that have nasty things to mm -hmm. say or that critique are never the people that are also a performer no. or also creating content. It's exactly. always the people that have, And it's you like, know. first of all, who was asking you? Yes, exactly. Who, who asked you for this unsolicited advice? Yes. And second of all, what? where are you speaking from? Like, who are right. you? Right. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> It's like, but social media, I mean, oh. going back to Facebook, yeah. right. it brings out the oh, worst yes. in yes. people. 
Yes, because people can say whatever they want, and somebody will validate that yeah. opinion they yeah. have yeah. to encourage them on. Whether it's a whether it's just responding to it or oh yeah, it's really easy to have that kind of like veil of anonymity, or you're sitting on your phone or whatever, and to say whatever you want. Like it's yeah. it's easy to have that. Oh my God, people on social media at the worst. I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only They're at imagine. the worst. <laughs> I, I remember I did a little feature on TV a couple of years ago where I was actually talking about that, and I was talking also about some of the gazes that that I can feel when when I'm walking in public. And I remember <laughs> on on social media, my favorite comment was uh, a woman who wrote. No wonder that people are looking at her. She's wearing a summer dress in October. <laughs> and I was like, girl. Wow, I was like, I'll give you that. You. Right? <laughs> That's fair wow. shade. Yeah, I was like, That's you know fair. what? I'll take that. Yeah, I'll that take that. Is savage. I'm sure that, uh, you know, in a bar, there's a lot of etiquette and just things mm, to get yeah. used to. And um, that's why I thought we could talk a little bit about some of the things that maybe you have to get used to in a bar mm -hmm. or with the drinking culture and bar culture in Denmark. And I think one of the first things that we want to talk about is some of the terminology as far mm -hmm. as what bars are called here. And one, especially for, for coming from the U.S., one thing that you'll learn is that a bodega is not a corner store. A no. bodega is a bar. Yeah. And you may hear other terms like a co or a vet house. These are all other terms for bars to be aware of. So you don't go looking to try to buy like a, a little bit of you know, mac and cheese at a store when instead a <laughs> bodega is going to be a smoky place with laws at the end of the bar. Exactly. And, and a bodega usually has to be brown. Yes. I mean, yes. expect brown decor. Yes. The browner, the better. Sometimes from the uh, tobacco smoke yeah. and sometimes the wood paneling. Am I the only one who feels very nostalgic yeah. when I get into a place where everyone <laughs> yes. is smoking? I'm like, oh my God, I haven't experienced that for ages. Yeah. Like, am I in a 70s movie? Exactly. It's very, really, it's very yeah. Mad Men-esque. Yeah. Like you're very <laughs> much is. of the time and it's 2023. Yeah. yeah. And that's uh, maybe a good lead into another difference is that uh, in many establishments, uh, you can actually smoke. Now, this is not all bars, um, any that serve food you won't be able to, and any that are over a certain size you will not be able to. But some of the most fun are those smaller kind of corner bars that do allow smoking. I, I love it. I mean, I, I always face the challenge that I have to smoke I, or, or wash my hair the next day. Sure. Uh, but apart from that, there's just something about those places where, you know, the walls are brown, everyone is smoking, and especially when they're telling stories, you know, those tall tales where you're not really sure if it <laughs> actually ever happened it, it is funny here because like it's i remember like literally when i first turned 21 i think in new york you could still smoke in bars for like one year and so yeah. i had like one same in pennsylvania. Of my life. Yeah. in pennsylvania and so it was very weird when we moved here to be like you can smoke in bars here yeah. like it's it was like stepping back in time you and used to be able to smoke on the train like not too long ago <laughs> god i remember that i remember that it's so funny that such a healthy place has such a embedded smoking culture and everywhere. that the smaller the places the that's what you're allowed yeah. to smoke in. Safe as it's deemed to smoke. Oh, I usually just go in there with the straw. Yeah. You don't yeah. even have to bring <laughs> to your own. In. Yeah, you just even have to. You don't even have to bring your own cigarettes. You just bring a straw, and just by inhaling the air, you'll get a bit Ooh, of a buzz that from all the nicotine. Yeah. Also a good budget tip. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Second, mm -hmm. Secondhand is also a budget opportunity. It is. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Another thing that you'll find about bar culture in, in Denmark is that beer is the center of drinking. Yeah, this is yeah. a beer country. It is. Obviously, you can find spirits. I don't think in a bodega I've ever seen anybody order a glass of wine. <laughs> don't. 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 <laughs> if, if they so. have wine, 
don't. It's probably vinegar that has been yeah. left out too long. Or yeah. you'll go blind if you drink it. <laughs> right, yeah. right. It's actually it's, de- it's the descaling vinegar is, yeah. that they're, yeah. they're yeah. using for that. Yeah. So, so realize that, that beer is the center of it. And also do know you can find classier cocktail bars around town, yeah. but realize that the cost is going to be you know, yeah. 20 euro or so to, to get a, a simple, right. even a simple drink. Yeah. I do. I do like the Danish shot culture, though. Ooh, yes. We just talk about Absolutely. that—the little yeah. shots, both the Gammeldansk. Oh, oh yes, yeah, which <laughs> is kind of a slap on the face. Yes, um, but also some of the more sort of um, candy-flavored ones, um, especially the licorice ones. Yeah, also a slap. Oh. <laughs> also, a slap. <laughs> yes. Well, so Gammeldansk, uh, I like to do before I get on an airplane because I heard that yeah. I'm not flying it. I'm just getting on it because yeah. <laughs> I heard that's a tradition to do at well, the airport. Allegedly, allegedly, it helps you if you have a bit of an upset mm. stomach ah. because it's an herbal remedy, uh, you know, with forty percent alcohol, as all the as best all medical <laughs> remedies <laughs> yeah. are. Just, right, just yeah. the side benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, the 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 liquor shots, they're tough for me. I always have to give it a little sniff yeah. before I decide which one I'm going to do. Yeah. But yeah, it's also just part of the part of the drinking culture. It's it's a part of it, and you know what? After a while, you get used to them, and they're you know. They're not that bad. Mm. The hard part for me, like the gaiul, like the really sweet ones, is yeah. just that like they're so sugary. Yeah. Like I feel like it's like instant hangover. Like oh, if it you is. do too many of them. But also if you do a lot of them, your hands like Oh yeah, they get that green you touch color. The shut glass and when you let go of the glass, it's still stuck to your hand. Ooh. Yeah. 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 But I mean they are usually ten shots for <laughs> a very yeah. cheap rate. A hundred kroner or about fifteen euro. That's a little dangerous. However, it is a cheap way, an efficient way to get a little bit of a buzz on because it can be a bit expensive for the other but, drinks. But also, I, there is something very communal about them. If you get a tray, yeah. you can sort yeah. of hand them out. You can talk to the table next to yes. you and be like, hey, do you all want a shot? I kind of like that. It's a good way of breaking the ice. Yeah, I fully, I think that's one of the funny things is that in some ways, Danish bar, bar culture can be quite transactional. You get the beer mm. for yourself. You might get around for your friends mm-hmm. or whatever else, but it's very transactional that way, except shots. Yeah. Yes. Shots is the one thing that you get the tray of shots and you just walk around and, as you say, talk to strangers. It's, it's that funny like kind of like side cut on, yeah, on, exactly. on culture that way. So another, another thing that is different here is to realize that generally in pubs here, you're going to find that there's no food, no TVs, they're not sports bars, especially compared to what we're used to in the U.S. or what you see in the U.K., that bars are for drinking. Yeah. <laughs> of course. It's like, why would you ruin that with food? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine a place where you go to, dr- to drink? Wouldn't that be magical? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, but that is true. And, and perhaps also that... Um, depending on the place, of course, that things happen a bit later. Yeah. Yes. I, I love that. I'm, I'm getting a bit too old for it now. <laughs> but had we had this conversation maybe 10 years ago, I would have said all the best things happen after 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really the, That's the late night that sort of. The late night is mm. the, the keep it. And, and I think that that point of um, no, no food, no TV. That also is a reflection on Danish culture a little bit, too, because the idea is that you are going to be mindful, even if, OK, you're meeting with friends to have some drinks. That's what you're doing. You're not going there to watch a game. You can do that at home before you go out. You're not going there for dinner. No, you're going to have dinner at a table or at a restaurant with your friends, but then go to the bar. So it's, 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 a, it's actually a nice part of the culture. But reflected. also because the, the place where you have dinner. There, there won't be loud music yes. and a lot of loud talking, right. so you can actually have a conversation. Yeah. And then 
once you've sort of loosened up a bit, you go to the bar where you have sort of the more sort of informal conversation. Yeah, yeah. that was a big, a big, I don't want to say shock because <laughs> I could deal with it. That's a little dramatic to say shock, but that was a big difference when, when we moved here to not yeah. go out to eat at a bar. Yes, yes. Another thing that was a bit of a shock was uh, going out and also seeing um, people that are of all ages, meaning, you know, you may have people that are quite your senior at the bar and then people that are potentially too young to drink, too young in, the to US. drink yeah. in the yes. U.S. <laughs> but you know what? I think that's the beauty that a space like especially the gay bars become multi-generational mm. and that there's an opening for conversation across generations. I, I actually like talking to people who are in a very different life situation than myself because yeah. oftentimes I learn something sure. and, and I get to see things from, from a new perspective. But but you're quite right. You will go to places where you're thinking, oh, my God, you're 105. Yes. Why are you even here? Or are you old enough to be here? Um, <laughs> and, and, and I see that, especially if you're from a culture where you have to be 21 to go out. Sure. sure. If you see someone who's 18, it feels wrong. Yeah, right? a yes. little bit. Especially yeah. because some eighteen-year-olds look like they're like fourteen, and yeah. you're like, "Do your parents know where you are?" And then you realize they're around the corner at the other end of the bar. <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> but that would be a bodega. Yeah, be a bodega. Yes. But it's nice too because you can often have them help you with uh, with your phone or learning what TikTok is. There's a yes. lot of benefits yes. too. To they that can do well. your taxes. They can do your taxes. It's mm-hmm. really you know there's some benefits as well. Yeah. One of the interesting things, too, I think, compared to in the U.S., is that generally the the way that you buy drinks is different here, where you'll actually pay for each round independently. In the U.S., it's very common for you to drop off your credit card and then run a tab all the way going through, whereas in Denmark, it's it's more that you just kind of pay for each one and just go bloop, and you pay for, for what you have. It can also be common that you maybe just pay for your drink, and each person pays for their yeah. own individually. And then especially compared to the U.S., generally tipping isn't expected. And yeah. if you do tip, like it's very much appreciated, but it'll even be recognized to the point that somebody usually rings a bell or something right. to acknowledge an, a nice day of paying that somebody has dropped off in that and, way. And even the tip can just be, if, if you pay cash, it, could just, mm. it can be a few coins. Yeah. Just say mm. keep the rest, or if there's a tipping jar, just put a few coins in, into that. It doesn't have to be a certain percentage. And that is something that I really appreciate because it can be annoying in the U.S. to give your uh, credit card to open a tab and just let a stranger have access to your well, your, yeah, what your are, What are they card? doing with it's it? An, uh, yeah. It sits in some like index card box. And the yeah. problem is, if you keep going all night, sometimes you forget sometimes to go forget. get it back, and then you have to go back to the bar the next day. And most bars don't look as good in the daylight as they did in the and night. Neither lights. do you the next morning. No, you and you feel like a jerk. And having GDPR to go back. issues. Yeah. Also, all a, that. A lot of bars and drag queens never look at them in daylight. <laughs> Another one that I was a bit accustomed to in the U.S. that maybe wouldn't do here is sort of going out by yourself, uh, you know, kind of sitting at the bar and thinking that, oh, the bartender will entertain me. And, oh, um, whoever else is there by themselves will sit around me at the bar and then I'll have a conversation with them. And it's just socializing is a little bit different than in in a pub in the U.S. Yeah. And again, it it depends on the place you're going to because there are places where a lot of regulars go and they'll go there and they'll know people. I think it's more the idea that small talk for the sake of small talk seems shallow. Mm -hmm. So if you're a regular, you're there, you already have an established kind of relation, then it's okay. But if you just go there and, and they know that you're just there for one night only and you went out on your own, 
it's almost like they feel like they don't owe you anything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, I think in many ways, I think bars in Denmark are kind of an extension of your living room. Yeah. And the idea is it's where you go either because you're a group that meets there and you see it. It's where you go with friends to hang out outside of the living room. It's it's not a place that you go to. You may meet random people over the course of it, but the intent is to be with people you already know. And, yeah, and, and, and talk about that. something that matters rather than yeah. small talk. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, these aren't all hard, fast rules, but these are just some things that we wish we knew about bars and drinking culture in Denmark. Chantel, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. And it's so fun that we'll be back in everybody's feed next week with part two of our time together. And if you can't wait until then, we'll be sharing more of our conversation with Chantel on our YouTube channel. You can follow Chantel Alarab on Instagram. If you're enjoying What Are You Doing in Denmark, we have one tiny favor. Please give our show a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you're using so that others will find us too.